This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. There's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. Welcome to another episode of 6-Minute Monday where I give you six tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on a football field. And, and I'm going to give you a recap of what happened at this weekend's postseason challenge. That's right. The tag team is over. We're now in the postseason. So here we go. Tip number one. How to overcome jet lag. At least for me, this is what I do. I got a couple of simple tips and tricks for you. So the first thing is when you get off the plane, move. Move as much as you possibly can. If there's an escalator, don't take it. If there's one of the, I don't even know what it's called, those, the, the walking escalator where you're walking flat to the ground, don't take it. Walk around the airport as much as you possibly can. Yeah, you might not be the first person to get your bag out of the carousel, but who cares? Get those extra steps in. I landed in Heathrow. It's a 15-minute walk from where my gate was to where my carousel was for my bag. I took every step I possibly could. The second part of that, when I got to the hotel, I unpacked my bag. It's 12.30 at night. Who cares? I unpacked the bag. And I do a mini, quick mini workout right inside the room. I do some bodyweight squats. I do some band squats. I do some band RDLs. I do some band overhead presses, a quick set of push-ups, a couple of bear crawls, wash my hands, brush my teeth, go to sleep. So again, when you get off that plane, you want to get movement in right away to avoid jet lag. Tip number two, try to mirror the sleep schedule of where you are going as best you can. And it's a little easier traveling west than it is traveling east. When you travel west, say I'm going from New York to, L- uh, to L.A., it's easier for me to stay up later and power through it to go to sleep on their sleep schedule than it is when I'm going east, say I'm going, like I did, from New York to England, and then trying to go to bed really early to match my own sleep time over in the United States. Especially if you're in a part of the year, like right now, it's June, where it's almost always light. I don't know, I didn't even see darkness for like maybe two or three hours while I was in England. It's like almost always light. So try to mirror the sleep times of the place that you're going. And then tip number three is to try and mirror the meal times of the place that you're going. And this is big, so you fly home from England. I don't know, I think I was out of bed in England at 3 o'clock in the morning. I land here at 10 o'clock in the morning. By that point, I'd already had like two meals, but I still had two additional meals when I got back to the United States just to mirror the meal schedule in the U.S. to get my clock back in. And also, on Friday, so I land, I'm up at 3 o'clock in the morning, England time. I fly back to the United States. I land about 10 o'clock, 10.30. Friday, when I get back to the United States, what do I do? I go right to the Owl Hallow Field. I do a primer session. I get some sprints in. I get myself ready to go. And, oddly... I actually beat my Saturday sprint time. Like, I, 
you know, we sprint on Saturdays. We have these sensors, but usually my Saturday sprint times are not as fast as what goes on on Tuesday and Thursday because those sprints are paired with things like sliders and prowler and other tough man work. So usually my fastest sprint times are on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But this, on this Saturday, I PR'd on my Saturday sprint time, and it's actually almost as close to my PR on my Tuesday and Thursday sprint time. So I'm hoping that it worked. Usually if you're that jet-lagged from a flight, an international flight, you're sitting on a plane for six and a half hours, your legs are shot. But I think that primer, I think those things help me keep myself as on track as possible. So that was all tip number one. That took three and a half minutes. Here we go. We're going to go to tip number two, something I'm experimenting with. When running backwards, I'm trying to pump my arms up. So when I'm running forwards, I'm just using that good arm action, using my pro pulses, pumping my arms down. Now when I'm running backwards, I'm trying to drive my arms up. Drive my arms up. It seems to be working, and it seems to make sense because it should be the exact opposite motion of what you're doing as when you're running forward. Okay, tip number three. Tip number three, something that I am uh, I'm gonna, I'm thinking about what order to tell this one in. But I, I'm going to put it in this way. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell the quote first. The quote I heard was, and while I was, it was, I was listening again to the Minimalist Podcast while I was in England, and the quote I heard was, the guy said, every inanimate object in your house tells you a story every single second of the day. I'll say that again. Every inanimate object in your house tells you a story every single day. It's actually speaking to you. It's talking to you every single day. And it, it hit me at a profound level. Some of the stories are good. For example, I have a bookcase with my top 10 books and like things leveled, leveled out, and those things tell me the story of what's in those books and the qualities that I need to live and reinforces the habits that I want to have. But there are also things in my house that make me feel cluttered or worthless or like a bump. And it's like that thing is telling you a story. Like sometimes I'll see things on my shelf in my garage as I'm working out and say, uh, you're lazy or you still got to do that project or you should have cleaned this up six months ago, right? It's telling me another story. So for me, that hit home and once again reinforced this. And I'm going to go to my next productivity tip is to – this is – sorry, this is tip number four. It's a productivity tip. And I'm going to reinforce this one because I've been talking about it like a couple weeks in a row is that you really should – Practice this habit of throwing out one thing a day. Throw out one thing a day get, or donate one thing a day, but get rid of one thing a day. At the end of the year, that's 365 things that you will have donated or thrown out that are adding mental clutter to your head. It's a story being told to you that you don't want to tell you to tell yourself, right? You're in the middle of doing something and now another story comes in. Last week when I was making this podcast, I do it in my, uh, I guess my computer room, but I also have a closet with clothes in it. I had the closet door open when I first started the podcast and I kept looking at my clothes. And I was thinking, I don't need that shirt anymore. I should get rid of this. This thing's a little wrinkled. And it was giving me mental clutter from me trying to actually execute an effective podcast. So get rid of that stuff one thing at a time. Don't spend a whole day or a whole weekend doing spring cleaning unless your house is a complete and total disaster. But even then, I'd say start as small as possible and make it a habit. Because if you spend that whole day, it kind of ruins your whole weekend and you're not going to want to do it. But I'm going to also share with you some things that I've thrown out this week. And again, I would consider myself... I don't know, maybe an essentialist, not a minimalist. You guys know, if you know me, you know me well enough to know there's not a lot of clutter in my life relative to other people, but there's a lot of clutter in my life. So here's some stupid things that I had. An extra set of tweezers. Why do I need that? An extra set of nail clippers. Why do I need that? I had, uh, I bought this grating that I needed 
that I thought I needed to keep cats off of this little uh, flower bed in front of my house. I never used it. I kept it in my garage for three years. Why? Just in case. <laughs> just in case. And just in case I needed it. Ridiculous. So I threw it out. Uh, the biggest one was for 15 years, the day I moved in my house, I bought these two hose reels. And one hose I bought was 100 feet. The other hose I bought was like this ultra heavy-duty 75-foot hose. And I don't know what I was thinking. I know what I was thinking. I was thinking I used to work with my dad. We always needed a heavy-duty hose to drain water heaters. He always said it's always good to have a really good hose. And I, he was right, except I had these hoses for 15 years. Then, at some point early in getting my house, I got rid of my front lawn. So there was nothing to water. And now I have these hoses. And then I'd only pull the hose out for certain things, but... Guess what? When you have a 100-foot hose and a hose reel, it is hyper-annoying to put that hose inside of the hose reel. It's like impossible to move out. And if you get a heavy-duty 75-foot hose, it is hyper-annoying to put that hose in the hose reel. It's impossible to move out. And this thing was a burden. I don't have any grass. I've tried to live my life without grass in a minimalist function, so I don't need to water it. We have a few shrubs in the front of the house. And my wife got them. I didn't want them. And I vowed to never water them, and I never will, because I don't want to deal with having to, I don't know, water those shrubs. I got enough stuff going on, trying to have an uncluttered life. Anyway, so for 15 years, I dealt with these things. But listening to that minimalist podcast, I was like, you know what? I don't need to do this anymore. So I took the heavy-duty hose, threw it out. Took the old hose reels, threw them out. They were 15 years old and garbage. Took the 100-reel hose, sorry, the 100-foot hose, uh, I kept it just in case. I don't know why. I just kept it just in case. And then I bought a small hose and a brand new nice looking hose reel. So now I only have one hose reel. I got one small hose. Easy in, easy out. I'm not mentally strong enough to throw out that 100 foot hose. Why not? Because my thought is sometimes people come here to clean the gutters and they need a long hose. I have a three story house. I'll get into that whole story at another time. But to get up there, sometimes they need a long hose to get up there and move the clean stuff out of the gutter. So that's my just-in-case. That's my just-in-case. If I don't use that thing in two years, that's going in the garbage too. So going on a long story here, but these are just some of the silly things that I had. And again, compared to most people, I am a minimalist. If you walk through the Mahoney house, there is not a lot of clutter. If you look in my closet, there's ample space between my shirts. I don't, I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot of clutter, but at the same time, I do. So again, one thing a day, throw it out, and uh, I, I'm listening to their podcast. I'm also reading, I think it's called like 16 Rules for a Minimalist Lifestyle. They have a, an ebook that you can get. Get your hands on it. They have some pretty cool rules. I'm looking at my notes right now. I actually also had an extra putty knife. Why do I need that? I don't know. I have three for different situations, and then I had a backup. Why do I need a backup? Like what could possibly happen that I would need a backup to a backup putty knife? Okay. Tip number five, something that I'm watching that's moved me. I actually finished the Arnold Netflix documentary. And uh, I talked about it on last week's podcast. The thing that hit me in this one was that he said two things that really like hit my soul. One was I, and it was a certain point in time where he was, didn't want to take his shirt off anymore. And he was looking in the mirror, and he couldn't believe that like he had like a wrinkle under his peck. Or like he didn't have a, the six-pack that he used to have. And he, it just it really hit him hard. And as, as I am getting older, granted I've never had a six-pack, but it's just like even, even Arnold Schwarzenegger, even the man, he's going to – age is going to get you at some point. And there's sometimes where I'm like, ah, I can't get old. I'm not going to get old. I'm going to do everything I can to stay young. And at, at, at least 
I don't know, at least in my mind, I look a little younger than most people my age, right? I'm not saying I look 20, but I look a little younger than most people who are 45 years old. Even this guy, Father Time, is going to win. And the other thing he said was, it's very sad that his friends are starting to die one by one. And uh, Jimmy Yuski says, Coach, you know, you're, you're one of these freaks that's trying to live forever, which I am. But then it like, makes me sad. Like, imagine I did hit that point where I, I lived forever, which I won't. But, and then the people you love and care about are starting to die off one by one as they get older. And I've heard my grandparents talk about this stuff. I've heard my parents talk about this stuff now. But you really got to appreciate your youth. You got to appreciate your time on this planet. And it also made me think about the people I love. Again, anything can happen, but man, I got I to gotta help them in some way if I can live a longer, fuller life so that they're here with me if I am fortunate enough to live this long life that I'm planning on living. All right, tip number six, the greatest thing I saw all week. I'm going to go to two things here, as, as I usually do. Tip number six, the worst thing I saw all week. I don't know, the most interesting thing is that I was just sprinting at Owl Howell this morning. It was I got up early, 6 o'clock on a Sunday, sprinted around the field doing my little... uh agility session and the whole time I'm there I see this guy he's just walking laps he's getting his laps and I'm thinking good for him man Sunday morning he's getting his laps in he's getting his laps in going for a walk he's going for a walk you could tell he's trying to get back on the horse trying to get his life back in order and then I finish my workout I stretch I go back to my car and there's this guy sitting in his car <laughs> tons of smoke spew it out he's smoking cigarette after cigarette after cigarette uh you could and I'm thinking man I judged him at first, like, come on, man, you did all this work. But then I'm thinking, you know what? He got up and walked, and he's probably facing two inner demons at the same time. But I'll give it to you. He got up and walked. I hope you, you quit smoking, but he got up and walked. All right. The other great thing, this is the greatest thing I saw all week, is uh, I get a text from Mark Strange. The guy is, he's just an awesome guy. We miss him at advanced training. He just, him and his wife had their, their second child. It's been hard for him to balance out the time and leave his wife with the two kids to get up and come train with us, but he's a big part of the program. One, well, one, he's like the polar opposite of Joe Moretchko and their friends, so it's good to, to balance. They balance each other out. Strange is always teaching me new things, one of which was to get those damn snap clamps that work awesome. It saved us, I don't know. I can't even tell you how many minutes a training session from having to reclamp our farmer's walk, so thank you, Strange. And also, uh, he... He sends me, so anyway, he sends me this video of these boxes. I think it's in his dad's house. And the boxes are like 70 pounds, 90 pounds, 100 pounds. And he said that his father and his brother bet him that he couldn't carry those boxes into the house. And he said it was about a 60-yard walk from where he was picking this thing up to where he was dropping it off inside the house. And if everybody's picked up boxes, you know it's awkward. It's not like picking up a barbell and walking a 70-pound barbell or even a sandbag. It's this awkward, weird thing. It's worse than a sandbag. So he said they bet him that he couldn't do it. He said, Coach, I'm, I'm sorry I haven't been around advanced training, but it's still, I'm thinking about it as I'm carrying this stuff. And to me, advanced training, I'm hoping, is something that you do, but it's something that you are. It's something that is not going to leave you. It's not just while you're on the field or in the past in a weight room with us. It just becomes part of your DNA. Because I'm with you, Strange. When I'm carrying weird stuff, I am embracing advanced training. So he said he carried it. I don't doubt it. I've watched this guy do farmer's walk. I did uh, walks of pain with him, and he annihilated me on it. I don't doubt it for one second. We miss you, Strange. But the worst part of this story, similar to the smoking stories, he said they both owe him a pizza. Strange. How? I know you have this addiction to pizza. You love it. You love it more than anything, but I don't know. Maybe make a bet for something else other than pizza. Protein shake. 
But I love it strange. You made my day. We miss you. I cannot wait till you get, come back into advanced training. We need you back, man. We need you back, brother. Okay. Now we're going to get into what happened at this weekend's, not tag team challenge, at this weekend's head-to-head playoff challenge. So here we go. All the tag teams, all the work we did, all the cold mornings, all that stuff is now leading up to this Sweet 16 playoff bracket. So, (laughs) all this work, everything we're doing is up to this right now. So the way this thing worked during the regular season, these tag teams competed against each other. There was one team, the Flate Man versus another team, Bear Island. They competed head-to-head. The winners of each of those events would get three points. The losers would get no points. Then people would go head-to-head if they lost. Uh, Bottom line is people collected all these points during the regular season to get seeds during the playoffs. The first four seeds got a bye this week. There's 16 seeds. The first four seeds get a bye. That means seeds number 5 through seeds number 16 are eligible to compete. Oh, and oh, by the way, oh, by the way, seeds 13, 14, 15, and 16, they automatically get eliminated because we only want 12 people in the playoffs. That's right. So that's why seeds 1, 2, 3, 4 get a bye, and seeds 13, 14, 15, 16, they're out. So we have, we're going to have four competitions going on. But before that, before that, we're going to have a play-in. So the 12th seed, there was a tie for the 12th seed between Pete Raji and Billy Hesdra. There's a tie. So they have to compete just to get the 12th seed before we even begin the actual competition. So we do our regular workout, and then we go to this head-to-head. The first head-to-head of the playoffs. And boy, did these guys put on the show. Before I even talk about what they did, let's talk about what the challenge was. The challenge was, is you were going to do a 30-yard slider. Then, at the end of your 30-yard slider, you're going to get up, you're going to sprint about 5 yards, and you're going to pick up a 170-pound farmer's walk. You're going to carry that 175-pound farmer's walk around a cone 25 yards away from you. You're going to carry it around that cone and walk it back to the end line. I don't know if it sounds easy or if it sounds hard, but it's pretty hard. So, it's Billy Hesdra versus Pete Baraji. They're both the number 12 seed. They're tied. How do we decide who goes first? A good old-fashioned coin flip. Of course, we have no coin, so we do a plate flip. Hesdra gets to decide, heads or tails. He's the visitor. I don't know why I said that, but he picks heads. It's heads. He says he'll go first. In my mind, that's a smart move to go first on this. Why is it a smart move? Because if you win, you're giving yourself a longer break before you have to go again. Remember, these guys are playing in to get into the playoffs, and the winner of that group also has to do another competition head-to-head of the same exact challenge. The worst thing that could possibly happen is you you go second, you win, and then you got to go again. You're going to lose instantaneously. So, Hezra says he'll go first. He goes, gets the sliders. And by, I have to say that this might have been the best day of working out or training that I've ever seen from Hezra. He usually struggled with sliders. Uh, he struggled with things where, like he had like these very, very short, choppy movements. He'd struggle with the prowl. He'd take like 100 steps and get nowhere. He'd take like 100 pushes with his hands and get nowhere. And today was it the first time I saw him on sliders really maximize the length of his drive with each arm. And he kicks the crap out of the sliders, picks up the farmer's walk like a beast that he is, and he gets to that 25-yard cone at 43 seconds, which is really good. <laughs> like, it's really good. So he sliders, picks up the farmer's walk, gets 25 yards in 43 seconds. He puts it down for a quick break. He gets it a couple times, picks it up, picks it, puts it down a couple times, and he finishes in one minute and five seconds, which is just a killer time. All right, so up next, Pete Baraji. P. 
Piparaji, captain of Bear Island. Piparaji, he was a, a super high seed last year. I think he was in the top four this year. He's fighting for his life to make it into the playoffs. Piparaji goes. Uh, Piparaji recovering from a pulled hamstring, right? You know, Piparaji's got a lot of things going on. So Piparaji goes, and he hits it in 59.6 seconds. So as great as Hezra's time goes, it was, Piparaji beats it by six seconds. So Piparaji puts in an alpha male performance against another guy, Hezra, who also put in an alpha male performance. But now Piparaji has officially made it into the playoffs as the 12th seed. So we got Piparaji as the 12th seed. He's supposed to go against Deradita as the 5th seed. But we don't do it just yet. We don't do it just yet. We start off with uh, Cortese versus Blanco. So Cortese versus Blanco. Cortese is the seven seed. Blanco is the ten seed. Cortese, because he's the seven seed, I say you get to pick if you want to go first or second. He says he wants to go second. So the reason I even designed this challenge was that I was thinking about these two guys specifically. Cortese weighs about I don't know a buck fifty, and he runs like the wind. But he weighs about a buck fifty. So this farmer's walk is heavier than him. Blanco is a nose tackle. He looks like uh, every bouncer you've ever seen in your life, right? So he's not a small guy. So the sliders are going to challenge him. But the farmer's walk, that's going to be a great thing for him to have an advantage on Cortese for because he's bigger than the farmer's walk. Again, the guy's a nose tackle, looks like a bouncer. Think of any guy you've ever seen at a, going to a club. That's what this guy looks like. Anyway, so Blanco goes first, and he, he does an awesome job, and he hits it in 1 minute and 29 seconds. Now, this is why I'm saying... Think about that. He does an awesome job. It hits in 1 minute and 29 seconds. And think about the times that Hezra and Baraji got as these guys were fighting for the life. Hezra got 105. Baraji got 59.6. Again, those times are incredible uh, compared to Blanco. But as I'm watching Blanco, it's not like he was dying. He did a great job. So Cortese goes next. He, he obviously goes faster than Blanco on the sliders. But I can tell that he held a little bit back. He held a little bit back because he didn't beat Blanco by that much on the sliders. I think Blanco hit the sliders in about 20 seconds. Cortese hit it about 18. And I'm sure Cortese can hit it about 14 because I've seen him operate. Anyway, he hits it in about 18, and then he picks up that farmer's walk. And I thought, like, every bone in his body was going to fall out of it when he picked the thing up. But he kept trudging away and trudging away and trudging away and trudging away. And then he gets to that second cone. And I'm using that 43 seconds as the, as the mark for everybody because that's what Hezra hit. He gets to that second cone at about 46 seconds. 46 seconds. So he's still on pace. Blanco got there in 43 seconds. So there, everybody's still on pace with Hezra, that first loop. But what it turns out was the really hard part was going around the cone. Right? It was when you got to that cone, most people got there around 43 seconds. The hard part was making that turn and coming back and keeping that momentum and then using that momentum to go forward. And how many steps can you get after you turned it around? The guys that killed it, they made that turn and they got like maybe 10 more yards. The guys that struggled, the guys that made the turn, they had to put it down. So Cortese makes the turn, takes a couple steps, got to put it down. Uh, but he's still... He's got a little more pace on, on Blanco, right? He's got a little more pace on Blanco. He's getting tired. He's getting tired. He's getting tired. And now it's getting close. At first, I thought he was going to smoke Blanco because he had made that turn a little bit better than Blanco did. But then he's getting tired. He's getting tired. He's getting tired. And now he's about 75% of the way there. And Jimmy Yuski is just screaming at him. Give yourself a chance. Give yourself a chance. And you could tell in this man... 
just like with Blanco, there were times where these guys wanted to put this thing down. It was so heavy. They're so tired. They want to put it down. But when you got Jimmy Uski, Joe Derrida, you got just dudes screaming in your face, you give it that extra 10 yards, and just like Blanco, Cortese finishes this thing through the line without one or two extra drops. And on an average day, in an average workout, they probably drop that farmer's walk like five or six more times before they cross the line. But both of these guys dug deep into their belly, deep into their body, and carried this thing as far as they could uh, to finish this out. And Cortese edges, edges out Blanco with one minute and 22 seconds versus 129. So Blanco eliminated. Great season, Blanco. Cortese, you have now made it into the Elite Eight. Now we're going to go back to the Baraji Derrida bracket. So Derrida's five seed. Baraji is the 12 seed. And I give Derrida the option of going first or second. He says, uh, Baraji's going to go first. Now Baraji did his first cycle in 59.6 seconds. He goes again. His sliders are a little slower, but his farmer's walk time is much, much, much slower, and he gets it done in 134.9. Remember, his first time was 59.6. Fastest time of the day to this point. His second time is 134.9. So Baraji, uh, much worse time, and you can see the impact of fatigue. So now Derrida goes, and he knocks it out in 106.9. So Joe Derrida, 106.9. He does his infamous I can, I will, right before he goes. So now he knocks Baraji out. Baraji's eliminated. And now Joe Derrida is in the Elite Eight. So we got Cortese in the Elite Eight. Joe Derrida is in the Elite Eight. And uh, it, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going here. We're going to go to the next event. Weintraub versus Amorosi. There is no Weintraub versus Amorosi. For the second year in a row, so in 2021, Weintraub was the succeed. Amorosi was the 11th seed. And Amorosi had a life conflict and could not make the challenge. So Weintraub gets a win for doing nothing. That's 2021. In 2022, Weintraub is the 6th seed. Amorosi is the 11th seed. Amorosi has a life contract co- uh, conflict. And Weintraub gets a, <laughs> a win for doing nothing. And so two years in a row, Weintraub, Amorosi, same exact seeds, Weintraub skates into the Elite Eight. And I asked Weintraub yesterday uh, if he had threatened Amorosi in like 2020 and said, if we ever challenging each other, don't come. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but two years in a row, the same exact seed, the same exact circumstance. So now Weintraub, he's also in the Elite Eight. And now that brings us to the, head, the headline challenge. This is the main event. Armado versus Wallen. These guys have been going at each other for the last two years. I believe. I got to check the math. But I believe their record over the last two years in head-to-head challenges is three versus three. I cannot believe that these guys end up being the the eight and nine seed and having to go head-to-head as we're in this first round of the playoffs. So, Armado, you're the eight seed. You get to choose who do you want to go first, who do you want to go second. He says Wallen is going first. So, Wallen... I was a little worried when I designed this challenge. So, again, I designed it for the Cortese-Blanco parody to make it interesting because it would have been interesting to me. I knew that guys like Baraji, Hezra, Derrida, they, they, they'd excel because they can carry that, that farmer's walk. They could carry it easily. I've seen them do it over and over again, and I, I knew that there wasn't going to be an issue. 
the biggest issues I thought were going to be Cortese picking up the farmer's, farmer's walk and Wallen. Wallen's had some back issues. The guy's also in the fire academy. We've had multiple guys in advanced training stop training with us while they were in the fire academy. Wallen's the first and only guy to continue training with us while he's in the fire academy. And, you know, t two years ago, he Wallen was a bum, right? He, he was a guy, I wouldn't say a bum. But he was a guy that you'd say, oh, I'd pick him last on my team. He's, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to use the toys. He's not that strong, right? So two years ago, Wallen was a non-thought. Last year, Wallen comes into the playoffs again as a non-thought, and then he beats Joe Marechko, and he turns everybody's head. That this guy, he's a gamer. He's a gamer. He turns everybody's head. So now he's going to go, and I'm thinking, oh, I hope. I'm not worried about the quality of his work, because now he's proven himself over the last year and a half that he's good. He's good. He's no longer, I shouldn't say a bum. Maybe a liability would be a better word to a tag team, right? Maybe he's a liability. But not anymore. Not Rob Wallen. He's come a long way. He's like a most improved guy in my mind. He's like a top candidate for most improved guy. So he does the sliders, no problem. And then he picks up that farmer's walk, and I'm thinking, uh-oh. But there is no uh-oh. He picks this thing up like a champ. And I kind of look at his face, and he knew it. Like, he picked it up like I knew it. And for everybody... It's important like that when they picked up that farmer's walk, there was some sort of a gut check. Some guys were like, oh, God, and some guys were like, I got this. I'm going to backtrack for a second on Baraji's first shot against Hezra. He actually picked up that farmer's walk with one hand. The guy's got insane grip. He picked it up with one hand, carried it about 10 yards. Later. That's a little too heavy. But <laughs> the fact that he even picked it up with one hand is, is awesome. Uh, so everybody's picking this th thing up, trying to figure out how they can carry it. And when Wallen picked that thing up, I looked in his eye, and he said, like, in his mind, I could see he said, I got this. Now the crowd is going nuts. And Wallen finishes in 1 minute and 10 seconds. Now think about where the, the stacks up with everybody else. It's better than Cortese's 122. It's better than Blanco's 129. And it's pretty close to Joe Derrida's 106.9. So Wallen finishes at 110. And I'm thinking, ugh, this is sick. Wallen is a gamer. The guy is a gamer. He shows up for the playoffs. And my God, has he come a super long way from where he was two years ago. I went over, I jacked him in the chest. Everybody's going nuts. Uh, again, as he's walking back, he's got Jimmy Yuski in his face. He's got Derrida in his face. He's got Baraji in his face. He's got guys screaming at him, come on, come on. And again, he didn't drop that thing. Everybody wants would want to drop it. I know they want to drop it. He didn't drop it because he's got all these other guys getting those reps. As Frank Torres used to say, those are my mental reps. Those are my mental reps. Why? Well, thank you, everybody else in advanced training. I credit those to you guys for giving those guys that extra drive to finish that extra four or five yards or that extra ten yards with that farmer's walk in their hand. So up next is our motto. Our motto was questionable. Questionable even showing up to the workout this week. The guy had what he thinks is the flu. He's not a doctor, but he's been sick. He's been texting me during the week if certain supplements give you a bad stomach. I didn't think so. Turns out he was just sick. So he's got to go, and he just sees this insane performance by Rob Wallen. And I'm thinking, Armado? Armado's also up there, by the way, in Most Improved. He was also a liability. He was on my tag team, tough man, Thanksgiving team one year and didn't show up in, showed up in sneakers. Massive liability. Never forgive you for that, Armado. He comes back to advanced training last year. Ah, I, don't, I think uh, it wasn't very good. This year, very good. This year, eight seed. So he's getting ready to go, and I'm thinking it's over. Good shot, Armado. Uh, but Wallen, you're going against the gamer here. And I, I'm just looking at everybody else's times. So Armado goes, knocks out the slider. 
Just about everybody's hitting that slider in about 18 to 20 seconds. I believe they both hit that slider at 19 seconds. Wallen and Armada. So I knew, again, the differentiator here is not the slider. It's turning out the differentiator is going to be that farmer's walk. He picks up that farmer's walk. And I see the same look in his eye. Like, I got this. I got this. I got this. He also, like Wallen, they both get to that cone at about 43 seconds. Again, everybody's getting there at about 43 seconds. He makes that nice turn. Drops it. Catches his breath. Picks it up. And now the crowd. You gotta go. You gotta go. They're getting in his head. And he walks this thing all the way back. Uh, <laughs> and he finishes in 104.8. So he beats Wallen. He knocks Wallen out. Arbato, you are now in the Elite Eight. And he picks up the... I think it's the second best time of the day. Yeah, it's the second best time of the day. Aside for Baraji's first 59.6. Armado beats everybody. Armado's not supposed to beat everybody, right? Armado's a guy that, if you watch the Tough Man video from last year, he's in the end clip of everybody's video because he was couldn't stand up after the Tough Man. He wasn't supposed to beat Cortese, Blanco, Derrida, Wow, and he wasn't supposed to beat anybody, right? He was not supposed to beat anybody, and he comes in and knocks this thing out in 104.8. And as Billy Blanco said afterwards, he said, a lot of guys stepped up today, and they did. They absolutely and positively did. And it, it, we set the tone right from the play-in, right from the play-in, all the way to the end. This kind of links back to this, the Mark Strange conversation. Just, I'm, I'm so proud of these guys and what they do and what they become, because you don't they're grown men. I'm not training guys fighting anymore for... There's one guy, Youngblood, who's still in college, looking to take it to the next level, uh, trying to get more playing time. You know, like, I, those aren't the guys I'm training for. These guys are all post-college. They don't need to get up on Saturday mornings and be there for 6.30. And when you get up for a 6.30 workout on Saturday, that's not it. You've got to give up something on Friday, right? You've got to tell somebody, your wife, your best friend, whoever, your girlfriend, I, I can't stay out that late on Friday. I've got a huge training session in the morning. Why would you do that? You're, who cares what you're doing? Well, these guys care. And you're not going to get the feeling or the camaraderie that these guys got on a Saturday morning. You're not going to get that in many other places. You're probably not going to get that at work. You're not going to get that anywhere else. You're not going to get that at a bar. You're going to get that here. And all these guys did things today. Every one of them in this challenge did things today that they probably should not have been able to do. And I credit them. And I credit the guys around them that weren't in that specific challenge cheering them on. Because everybody there, everybody wanted them to finish and to get that best part of themselves out of their body and onto that field. Every one of them. Even Weintraub, who the guy skated, uh, he skated to the next round, he set up the farmer's walk every single time. Got it ready, got it prepped, tightened the clamps. He's like, Coach, I felt like I didn't do anything today. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Right? So every guy there had a contribution to what was going on. So I'm proud of these guys. They did something that they shouldn't have been able to do. And today, well, today, that day, was just a reflection of everything else that happened over the course of the season. So the seeding that you got, if you're a six seed, it's because of the days you show up. It's the days you decided to, to get a win. Right? It's the days that you it's the nights that you didn't go out late the night before our training session. It's you tailoring your workout or your life to be the best you can be when you showed up for a competition. People may say, Coach, it's not fair. Baraji, Hezra, why do they have to play in? They have to play in. First of all, this is my rules, I'm the commissioner, I get to do what I want. And two, 
There were times where those guys, they missed things, right? They had life get in the way. They had work. They had vacations. That's cool. We're grown men. We're not telling everybody they have to be here 100% of the time. We're not a, 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 you know, a sports team where we're going against somebody else and we demanding everybody be there. This is, this is something else, right? This is something else. But you get the consequences of what happened. So guys like Tom Galley, who shows up 90% of the workouts, he's a two-seed. He got to sit pretty. And I say 90%. That's like a literal legitimate number. The guy should have had 90% of the workouts this year. He gets a buy. He earned it. He came there all the time. He gave up other parts of his life. He came to this training. He earned it. He gets a two-seed. He doesn't have to go. Baraji Hezra, they have some pretty sick social lives. I wish I was them. Actually, I don't. I don't like to do anything. But because of that, they had a battle. They had a battle, and they earned it. And they became better. They walked off that field better than when they walked on it because of the way they competed. And... Bad. They set the tone, that 59 to 105.1, that set the tone for everybody else. So to wrap this up, let's just talk about where we are at right now. So we went from the Sweet 16, we're now going to the Elite 8. So we're going to have Armado, the number 8 seed, he's going to have to go against Shalasi, the number 1 seed. We're going to have Deradita, the number 5 seed, he's going to go against Marechko, the number 4 seed. We're going to have Weintrop, the number 6 seed, go against Carpentieri, the number three seed. And then we're going to have Andrew Cortese, the number seven seed, go against Tom Galley, the number two seed. Pretty sick. Elite eight. It's going to be sick. As always, there's a plot twist. Tom Galley is going to Canada. Why? For no good reason. Just kidding. It's his brother's wedding. His brother's getting married in Canada. He tells me right after we finish loading the truck, truck, saying, I'm doing you a favor by not texting you this last minute. Uh, hell yeah, Galley. <laughs> this is, this is, to me, this is exactly what you should be doing. This is not weird. Give me a week's notice so we can figure this out. He is going to Canada, so he cannot compete next week. Cortese is also going to a wedding. They're going head-to-head. So what we're going to do to give these guys and to work around the schedules of these grown men, we're going to only do the left side of the bracket next week. So the right side has Cortese, Galli, Weintraub, and Carpentieri. And the left side has Marechko, Deradita, Armado, and Shalasi. So what we're going to do next week, the left side's going to go. Shalasi's going to go against Armado. Deradita's going to go Marechko, against Marechko in the Elite Eight. And then from the left side, they're going to work in their final four bracket. So the winner of the Shalasi-Armado event is going to go against the winner of the Deradita-Marechko event. Then the week after that, we'll work the right side of the bracket for their Elite Eight and Final Four. Again, this is why the, all the hard work went in. This is why we had a 20-week season to get to this point. This is why we do all that stuff. As I think as Bill Parcells used to say, this is why you lift all them weights, right? This is why we did all this stuff. I love every second of it. And men, I am proud of you for people that don't go to advanced training and that are just kind of listening in. Be a part of it. If you can, be a part of it. If you don't live in Staten Island, New York, find other like-minded people and do something like this because that, that feeling of being truly alive, of carrying that farmer's walk through that end, end line, it's not something you can get every day unless you are on a competitive sports team. And if you're 30 years old, if you're, you, that game of football is probably past you unless you're in the NFL. You're not going to be in some men's league for the rest of your life able to play at that high of a level. This is the closest thing you're going to get, at least in my mind, to have that camaraderie to push yourself to a different spot. Some people say, I don't want to be the best at working out. I don't want to be the best at working out. That's fine. But this is we got guys like me. <laughs> this is all we got left. And, and it, it's 
to me, it's 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 awesome. It it is awesome. It's given me a purpose. It's given me a reason to feel alive, to even be around these guys who are pushing themselves. And I'll guarantee you this: they're not just better here, right? They're not just better here. I guarantee you that Rob Wallen is going to be a better firefighter because he carried that farmer's walk through the end. Steve Armato is going to be better as a at Lark Media as a as a marketing guy because he carried that thing through the end. I gu- I guarantee you that Pete Raji and Hezra are better at their construction work because they carried that thing through the end because you're pushing yourself to a new level. I guarantee you. I guarantee you when Cortese goes to work on Monday, he's going to feel a little better about himself. He's going to have a little more swag as an engineer because he carried that farmer's walk that made that was heavier than him through that line. I know that Billy Blanco, I wouldn't even say what he does for a living. I already know that this thing has made him better at what he does. And of, out of all of us, he's probably the guy that uses this the most. I won't even say anymore. Blanco, I'll just shut up. But anyway, I love you guys. I love it. Uh, Weintraub, let's see if you get Carpentieri to bail out next or two weeks from now. See if you can use that same mojo and sk- skirt, your, skirt yourself right into uh, the championship round. All right, everybody. Have a good week. Talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by ProPulse Speed Trainers, created by the mad scientist himself, David Weck. Now, in my 20-plus years of evaluating athletes, there was always one thing, one thing that I could look at and tell you if this athlete was going to be sick or if they were going to be an R-coordinated mess. And I could tell you that in about five seconds. And what was it? It was the way their upper bodies moved in sync with their lower bodies. If they were in complete and total sync, I knew the athlete was going to be sick. You've always heard, look at this guy's arm angles. Look at the way the violent arm action, the way this guy runs. Well, those were always the best athletes. Now, what David Weck did is he created these little miniature weights that are about 12 ounces each that you can hold in your hand. And inside of those weights, he has these little beads. And when you run and when, you move, when you're pumping those arms, when those weights are pumping those arms, you can actually hear with those beads if you are on the right rhythm. It's actually sending a signal to your brain to say, yep, I am in pace, I am in rhythm, and it will instantly get your upper body and lower body in sync. If you want to become like Michael Jordan, Randy Morse, LeBron James, Derek Jeter, watch these guys run, watch their sick arm angles, get yours today. Go to shop.weckmethod.com. That's shop, W-E-C-K, that's weckmethod.com. Put in the code WMA270. Again, that's WMA270. It will get you 10% off of any item that you buy. Go and get yours today. This episode is brought to you by Zero Shoes, a company that is perfectly named. Why? Because when you're wearing their shoes, you feel like you're walking around completely and totally barefoot, a.k.a. like you're not wearing any shoes, a.k.a. like you are wearing Zero Shoes. Now, we've all heard the benefits of barefoot training, but who wants to walk into a gym without any shoes on your feet? First of all, it's gross, and second of all, it's disgusting. Now... The other benefits of Zero Shoes is not only are they functional, but they're also fashionable. So you've seen many a time people walk in the gym with these minimalist shoes and they look like a freak. Not with Zero Shoes. You're going to blend right in. Also, they have a wide toe box so that your toes are not all scrunched together in the front like they normally are with any standard training sneaker or cleat. Now, to get your shoes, go to ZeroShoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. Again, that's ZeroShoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. And that zero is spelt with an X. It is X-E-R-O. Again, I'll say it again. It's X-E-R-O. Get your zero shoes today.